We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 81, year three. Today, we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about my poker ventures here in Austin, Texas. We're going to talk about everything. Whatever you want to talk about, we're going to take live calls. The Mouthpiece is next. weekend one more tournament game left st peter's north carolina um boy i hope st peter's wins be good for sports good for college basketball but i don't know how that's going to happen but we'll see anyways uh tournament's been great to watch uh but when it's all said and done all those upsets all those bracket busters we have a one, two twos, and probably a four. So, um, you know, uh, all the crazy upsets and stuff, it's, I mean, three three of the four are a one or a two. So, um, you know, the cream rises to the top. The tournament's been fun to watch. Uh, poker has been uh, pretty good. Uh, I can't complain. Uh my uh, rush is uh, still going. Uh, I jumped in a really good game late last night. I shouldn't have. I punted off uh, a buy-in and I just quit. So uh, I was kind of uh, a little bit uh, down on myself for that. Um, so uh, other than that, uh, things have been going really well for that. Uh, I have uh, recently um, <clears throat> joined me and my uh, team, me and my, my, my boys, Todd and uh, Jason. And uh, we have um, uh, put ourselves to be involved with a new club in Austin, Texas called 52 Social. Um, it's approximately two and a half miles from what I hear from the lodge in Austin, Texas. So it's pretty close to where uh, uh, the lodge is, Doug Polk's room. And um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, we're not, I mean, I just got basically involved with it about seven days ago. Um, and uh, the room looks nice. I haven't been down there yet. I've got all kinds of pictures uh, it's got, I mean, I think we're, we're not there to, to come, we're there to compete and build the Austin market along with the lodge and whoever else opens because the more, the more poker rooms, the better, you know? So, uh, I'm looking forward to this venture. I will be doing meetup games on April 9th, 10th, 11th and 12th and we will be having a live small buy-in $200 tournament in which I will be a bounty I think on the 11th I think that's the tournament so we're running a grand opening small tournament uh we are at 
It's a, we're a room that it's about 25 tables. Very beautiful room. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the owners put a lot of time and money into it. And um, you know, my, my, two of my good friends that uh, when we were originally uh, in talks and had signed a deal in the uh, Dallas Poker House, it was uh, me and my team of Todd, my good friend Todd Blake and Jason um, uh, and his friend Jason uh, and we were going to uh, we were going to run that place and uh, I mean I told you guys I think on the last podcast what had happened uh, pretty uh, disappointing uh, what happened there but I always say everything happens for a reason and uh the guy who runs the that owns 52 social is uh a good friend of all three of us uh i've known uh, a guy named june he's he's um i've known him for 25 years and um you know he gave todd a call he wanted todd to run the room and um basically todd told him that all three of us were a package and so uh with that um <clears throat> we decided to uh, go ahead and uh, and work on this and uh, do this deal. Uh, as far as my role and uh, my position in the uh, company, uh, it uh, will be completely defined here probably uh, within the next two weeks. So um, as far as moving down to Austin... Uh, I do plan on doing this and working with the club, uh, but it probably will not be till after the World Series of Poker because, you know, I need to be there somewhat, uh, you know, at least three, four days a week. Um, and so um, I will, uh, you know, let everybody know uh, what my intentions are there. We, uh, as far as the club goes, anybody that's listening or around the Austin area, I mean, this is a beautiful club they've put together. It's got a full bar. It's got a full restaurant. Um, and it's got 25 tables. Uh, it's a big difference. Uh, again, I don't want to knock anybody or try and hurt anybody or whatever, but uh, being able to uh, have a full bar and restaurant uh, should be a big difference uh, between us and the uh, lodge down the street. Uh, so that's uh, a big plus. Uh, I know that my team knows what they're doing. I know how they know how to run a room. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'll probably be doing meetup games once a month for the first couple months and then uh i'll probably be there on a regular basis uh and again i as far as my total involvement uh i will uh definitely let everybody know here probably in about two weeks but um this is a good situation for me it's a good situation for poker uh, I think uh, building up the Austin market is really important in Texas. And, uh, you know, you don't have to deal with so much of 
of the uh, shenanigans that going on in Houston or Dallas. So I'm really looking forward to uh, working with the owners of 52 Social and uh, my team, uh, uh, Todd and Jason. Uh, so uh, we're, de- we're definitely looking forward to this. Let's see what else is going on. So this is a, pretty much the big news I have uh, to talk about is uh, going to be down in Austin, Texas, uh, running. Um, me and my guys will be running a 52 Social in Austin, Texas. So I will give you guys, like I said, more info on my involvement here probably in two weeks. I want to, uh, I'm just finishing up uh, what's going on with them. But my two very close friends are already down there. They are in charge of the room. They are doing everything. Todd and Jason Sackler are uh, professionals. They've been doing this for years. Uh, So I know the room is going to be a home run. I'm literally looking forward to this. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been saying for a while I've wanted to leave Las Vegas um, when the opportunity in Dallas came up, I thought it was the right thing to go do. And, you know, unfortunately for them, it's, uh, going to be a, uh, you know, it's going to be their loss and 52 socials gain. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that anyways. Um, let's see what else is going on in my life. I think, uh, I'm still on the poker heater of a lifetime. Thanks, Sally. I appreciate it. Uh, no, I'm not selling any of my bracelets, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, and um, uh, let's see. Poker is really, really going well. You know, everybody asks me, why don't I play the Poker Go Studio U.S. Open Poker Go Cut? Well, well, well. Let me ask y'all something. If you were playing in a live game and you won every day or almost almost every day, why would you leave? Uh, why would you go and play uh, a 10 and 15 and 25 and 50K buy-in tournaments against the best players in the world to see if uh, your dick is as big as them? Because I got no interest in doing that. Never did, never will. Uh, I just have, um, it's just poker's about playing playing people you're better than. It's not about playing the best in the world. I mean, if you've got lots of money and you want to go down there and say, ooh, how good you are to everybody, I mean, <laughs> I mean, go look at the last five years, the history of this high stake or these high rollers. I mean, everybody takes their turn going on a rush, you know, just what they do. You know, they all take turns going on a rush. And uh, even if people like Jason Kuhn or Peters or uh, uh, let's see, there's uh, or Ali is Ismerick, even if they're better than me or they're just. They're not that much better. Nobody's that much better once you you reach a high level. And so whoever catches cards is going to win. 
I mean, it's just the way poker works. There's no other way to talk about it. So, you know, I'll just keep grinding uh, a nice little poker game that I have an invite to and hopefully just keep winning. You know, I'm not uh, not greedy. I'm not looking to just absolutely win millions. Well, you know, if I win millions, I win millions. But, you know, I, I, I play a 10, 20, 40 game every uh every day and uh i've done quite well in it and uh i uh i'm on a pretty impressive winning streak um it's pretty impressive that's all i have to say and uh it's a uh, it's a good feeling it's a good feeling to run good in poker so you know run good play good good combination <sighs> all my losses always happen when i I jump in late at night and the game's great and and I'm fucking smoke just smoke some pot to go to sleep and then I try and smoke pot when I'm fucking or try and play poker when I'm stoned and I always lose. So trying to stay away from it. I mean literally I've I think I've had like seven losing sessions in I don't even know how long and all of them were and I got stoned. So I mean, I, 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 I know better, but it's okay. I mean, you got to give back a little bit, I guess, and book some losses or won't be too good. So um, anyways, uh, you know, that's what's going on with me. Uh, the last time we talked, we were running a uh, tournament in my private home game uh, online, and uh, that went really well. We gave away uh, $5,000 added. And uh, it was uh, it went really well. So um, if you are playing uh, one and two dollar, no limit hold'em or PLO, and would like to play on um, on uh, in my online private game, email mouthpoker at yahoo dot com. Mouthpoker at yahoo dot com. And you'll get $250 in chips for 200 I play approximately an hour a day every day in my uh, room. And uh, so uh, we um, really uh, enjoy everybody who who plays in them. Uh, you asked me, am I going to stream some WSOP online events? The answer is no. I will be playing the uh, uh, World Series of Poker every day and really have no interest in playing the online events. Now, yeah, they have them every Sunday. Uh, that's what they had them last year and every other year. So, you know, I, I really, uh, if I'm in a tournament, I, I'm not like these other people that are, Oh, I gotta try win a bracelet, eh? bracelet, 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 and man, you're playing live every day, twelve hours a day. I, I just got no interest in playing in the online tournaments. Now, if I do, I might jump on, but you know, I don't want to really set it up and and stream it all day after grinding ten, twelve hours a week. It just seems uh, too hard for me, so. Probably not, but I might. You never know. Sorry, I'm a little sluggish today, guys. I um, I was up really late. I was trying to go to sleep, and 
I had a really bad um, mental day yesterday. Uh, something I've done really well coping with over the last six months. Uh, a lot of times I have bad days, and uh, yesterday was one of them. It's a really bad day mentally. Uh, another reason why I shouldn't have gotten that game late this morning, but you know, live and learn and, uh, try and uh, get better and uh, become, try and not make those mistakes again. I've cut, I've cut most of those mistakes down, but when I do make mistakes, it kind of sucks. So, um, that's what's going on. You know, I'm really looking forward to the venture here in Austin, Texas. Uh, our, you know, like I said, the, the room is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the pictures that were sent to me are just beautiful. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. And like I said, I will be in Austin, Texas on April 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th for the grand opening of 52 Social. Uh, that's our most important announcement. Uh, I've been talking about it a little bit on Twitter, uh, a little bit on Facebook, and uh, I'm really looking forward to doing this. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, the NC2A tournament's been fun to watch. I've talked about that. My Lakers are an atrocity. Uh, they will not be in the playoffs this year. They might make the playing game. That's about it. Uh, oh, we can talk about the NBA a little bit. Uh, I've, I've gone out on the record and I've posted it that I truly believe the Boston Celtics are coming out of the East. The team leads every category as far as defensive efficiency, margin of victory, and best record over the last 32 games. I think they're 28 and 4. I do not see anybody beating this team. They went from seven games under 500 to 17 games over 500. I mean, this team is a monster. Tatum and Brown are playing great. So, no, I really think it's going to be Suns and Boston in the finals. Uh, could be Suns and could be anybody else, but that's my pick as far as the NBA goes. Uh, the NHL, I went to the uh, hockey game the other night, which Vegas won 6-1, to one, and I watched them come back from three goals down on the third to win yesterday. But Vegas is going to need to win every hockey game. Uh, they got 14 games left. They're going to have to go 10-4 and four if they want to win the if they want to make the playoffs, maybe even 11 and three, uh, they put themselves in a bad spot. They got a lot of injuries. The upper, the management of the Vegas golden Knights is the worst in all of sports beside the GM of the Lakers. So so that's just, uh, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, that'll, uh, that's on them. You know, that's on management. It's a weird situation. Um, I uh, literally am pulling for Vegas to make the playoffs, of course. But, you know, there's the other side of me where every time they lose, I get mad and I say, well, that's what they get for how they treated some of their players. And, um, oh, that's what we can talk about. Kirk, I think now that you brought that up. So... I can't believe I forgot about that. I told you guys I'm, I'm really out of it today. I'm very, very, bleh. I don't even know what to call it. I have no energy today. I'm uh, 
kind of stuttering a little bit, struggling with my train of thought for some reason. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the queen four hand that everyone's talking about and um, with Phil Helmuth uh, the other day. Yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies are really good. Uh, I just think they're too young. Um, kind of like uh, the Suns were last year. But the Memphis Grizzlies are going to win a title here in the next three years. So, next four years, for sure. John Morant might be the best player in the NBA. I mean, this guy's a monster. He fucking reminds me of Kobe when he was coming up. This guy's a fucking monster. And... Um, uh, so yeah, Memphis is really good. So let's talk about the Queen Forehand. Uh, you know, Daniel texts me, "How could you defend that Queen Forehand, you idiot? Why are you defending it? I'm not defending it, okay? But what what people don't understand is what Phil did wrong in this hand, okay? So." I mean, I've been doing this for many years, and I mean, it's pretty obvious what Phil did wrong is Phil goes with his reads, okay? He don't give a fuck about math. He don't give, and and I wish Phil would learn a little bit more about sizing and math. I mean, he knows the math of poker, but he doesn't he doesn't know it like the killers, like all those top players do. And I I think this is one of his biggest problems, you know. And matter of fact, I know what it is. So he, you know, he three. Let, let's let's start the hand for a second. Let's go to the very beginning. So Alex Foxen is raising a lot of hands. He's got a lot of chips. He's this is how he plays. He's very aggressive when he's winning. When he's got chips and um, puts a lot of pressure on people. And and Phil. You know, Phil's looking him up, and he's looking for spots because that's what great players do. They they look for spots to three bet against the weaker opponents or the stronger opponents that are real aggressive, and uh, and they look for where they feel they're weak. And in this situation, Phil three bet to one three fifty, and he felt that he was weak, and Alex moved in. Now, after talking with Phil, Phil said that he was 100% he did not have ace-kings, queens, or jacks. And people will be like, well, how do you know that? And, uh, well, when you're a good player and you play with the same guys every day, you sense things. And so that's why, you know, Phil, that's why Phil three-bet him. He, he, he thought he would probably win it right there. I think with Phil's stack... He should have just ripped it, uh, and then nobody would be talking about it because, I mean, you watch people you know, do that all the time. The funny thing about it is, and they'll say, well, those are two different hands. Well, Phil raises the 10-3 of hearts to two to 250. Sam Soverall makes it 550 with queen-deuce offsuit. and nobody says a word. That's a perfect play. Three-betting the queen-deuce. Nobody says a word, but when it's Phil Helmuth, they throw a fit about it. Now, again, I'm not defending how he played the hand. He three-bet, thinking he would just pick up the Rays and the Blinds and Annies, 
and he got four bet on. The thing what people are missing isn't that Phil played the hand terribly because he did. Okay, there's I'm not defending any part of the way Phil played the hand. I think he misplayed it pre-flop. I think he misplayed it after he got moved in on. I think it was an absolute atrocity of a hand. Okay, but, and there's a but here. And again, I'm not defending it. People think, ah, you're defending how he played the hand. That was the biggest punt ever. So let's analyze this for a second. Phil starts the hand with, I think it was 9.40, I think. Anyways, yeah, after he makes it 3.50, it's, he's got 5.90 left. He's got nine big blinds. Okay, so there's 3.50 plus 3.50, 700, plus 120 in blinds and annies is 8.70, plus 5.90 is 1.36 million. So it's... 540 to win 1.36 you're getting about 2.7 to 1 okay and if you look at the math okay Phil was had 28% equity which is what he thought now he thought there that he had ace king so he thought that so that would make his equity about 35% now if his equity is 35% now he's, he's dead right on to call. Uh, if his equity is 28%, he's basically knocked, the math is not right, okay? But after talking with Phil and making and his explanation of why he called off with the queen high is where people are missing. And if I can kind of break this hand down a little bit to what I'm saying, what they're missing is... If you go look at the four other players that were left, it was 2.5, 3.3, 3.3, and the other guy had a million, okay? There's a $25,000 pay jump. That's it, only 25 at this point. So even though Phil was not getting the right math to call, and he'll be the first to admit it, he felt... and. I feel also that if he's going to give himself a chance to win the tournament, once he puts this money in, that he's going to have to try and get lucky. And if he calls the 540, right, now he's up to 1.8 million if he somehow gets lucky. And now he's right where the, where the other three are with a chance to win the tournament. And that was just what he told me. He's like, you know, I fucked this up and I put myself where I could call off the nine big blinds and try to get lucky and give myself a chance to win the tournament. Or I could fold and leave myself 590K where he's two to one, the, the smallest stack. And so his his thought process were, was to uh, make the call. And yes, okay, if, if Phil's 35% in the hand, now he has the right math. At 28%, he doesn't. But even where he doesn't have the right math to call, it's 
I understand his thought. He wants to try and win the tournament. Now, a lot of people say, well, nine big blinds, you could spin it up. You're a great player, Phil. You know, basically, why are you giving up? Well, it wasn't, you know, there's, I don't, you know, I can't get, tell you what's in Phil's head because, you know, he will tell you that he thinks he's the best or whatever, but does he really believe it? Does he really believe that that he's better than Sam Sovereign, Alex Foxen, and um, uh, Eric Seidel in a four-handed no limit that these guys are killers that play every day? I mean, Phil knows who who the killers are. He's not an idiot, you know. So maybe he felt like being short against these guys, he he didn't want to be. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying this is what happened, but uh, you know, maybe he felt like I gotta I gotta put this in here, get lucky, and uh, and trying and um, and uh, and go from there. So again. People on Twitter think I'm defending his queen four play. I'm, I'm really not defending it at all. I'm just saying that once he three bets, uh, and once he sees what's in the pot, and he looks, he said, like I said, the biggest decision on his mind was he looked at everybody else's stack size, and, and nobody had, was short on chips. He's like, fuck, I got five hundred thousand left. He's like. I can't win it if I fold. If he's got ace king, you know, maybe I can get lucky. And so that's why he made the call. Uh, I don't fault the call as much as I fault the small three bet. I mean, if you're going to three bet it, you got to three bet it big. Or, I mean, 150, go to like 550 or 600 or all in where, where you're just absolutely you know, married to the hand by only making it 350 and 600 left. You know, now the math ain't there and everybody's going to fucking go crazy on you. But Hey, the funny thing is, is I watching all them other guys three bit with dog shit. I'm watching, uh, even Phil, when he raised with, uh, when he raised with like a one point, you know, Two million stack with King Three. They're like, ah, look at Phil. He's opening five X with King Three. Well, Phil's a very good poker player. He watched. He knew that Seidel's supposed to literally open every fucking button against the two short stacks with a sixty-three thousand dollar pay jump from uh, fourth to third. And he saw Seidel um, fold a button. So then Phil decided he's going to open, and that's why. You know, you start seeing Phil opening a bunch of dog shit there late, and they're like, oh, look at Phil with the short stack opening King 3. Well, I mean, come on, man. Anybody that knows if Seidel's going to fold buttons when these guys aren't calling with any fucking hand, like literally not, I mean, a 63K difference. They're not, they're, they're going to need like an ace, a big pair, ace, jack, or better to call because they're both so short. So, you know, once Phil saw uh, Seidel fold a button, he decided to uh, get aggressive there late. And uh, but nobody will talk about that. They just want to talk about the queen forehand. Um, guy made three final tables in a row. I mean, <laughs> 
10 final tables in like 50 tournaments, something like that. I mean, if they don't see the good things he does, they're just stupid and dumb. And they could take, they could go, so old. As soon as Phil made the queen four, where, where on this chart is the queen four as all these GTO fucking imbeciles just pay attention to their charts. Look at my charts. Look, queen four is nowhere on the charts. All right. You guys play chart poker and, you know, the best players will play instinct poker and I don't know. The best players I know of are are instinct poker players, not chart players. So they can put all their mop time in the labs and they can put all their time into what they're doing and if they don't have instincts, it doesn't matter. You could fucking memorize every GTO spot there is and every chart there is. If you don't have instincts and feel, you ain't never winning in poker against the best players, so... Yeah, that's my opinion. So that's the queen forehand for you. Uh, I don't like any part of the way Phil played it, but, you know, I I get it. He's got 590 left, and uh, he's not getting the right math, but he he felt that he was the short stack, and he'd rather gamble and lose there than than throw away the 800,000 that were in the middle. I don't know if it's the right play or not, but... That was his process and whatever. Bottom line. He was tired, man. He played three days straight. He's 57 years old. He's not like in great the greatest shape. If you watch his head up body language, and I told him this after he got beat by Eric, I go, go back and look at the tape of your body language. You were leaning back in your chair. You had your hand on the side of your face. You were paying zero attention. Uh, you were not focused. You just looked like you were glad that you got to second. Uh, and and, and he, he'll be the first to admit it. We talked about this. He agreed that he was very tired. And you're right, Mike. I, my body language was terrible. I, I just was tired. So, And I knew it. You know, I've, I've watched enough Phil playing. I know when he's really tired. So, you know, I told him my thought is, his his body language uh, really started to deteriorate um, uh, after the first hour of the final table, and uh, he, he you know he got lucky to get second, and he was not uh, he didn't play his best, but uh, you know people people want to Ted Forrest always told me this people want to compare their A game to other people's F game and then tell everybody how they suck. You know, and, you know, Phil did not have his best day that day. But I, I, I get it. If you're not having your best day, you're not playing well, and um, you feel like you might be outmatched, maybe maybe not in the long run, but for that day, maybe he felt he was outmatched by Alex and Sam and Eric, and uh, he felt he needed to get lucky or get fifth and go take a nap and go to bed. So... There's my I'm not there's my breakdown of the Queen forehand. Uh that's it, man. It's really much all you can talk about. So, anyways, uh we are going to take some phone calls and um that's about it. So uh, the mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-04. 
888-888-8080. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. 702-329-0480. Give me a call. We'll talk about NCAA, my room, whatever you want. Welcome to the Mouthpiece. This is Mike. What's going on? Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. This is Derek from San Francisco. Derek, how you doing, my man? All right, man. Uh, hey, I was just wondering, uh, I'm going to be coming to Vegas in early May, uh, staying at the Flamingo. Okay. Uh, and I'm looking to play some 2-5, uh, no-limit cash games. Okay. Um, and if the Flamingo poker room was still open, I'd just play there. But I'm yeah. wondering... It's uh, a, other, it other used to be a good room there. I I mean, they, they used to have like five or six good tables. They used to have like some two five going there. I have, I haven't checked in a while, but you can uh, check on Bravo uh, Poker. Uh, I don't know if you have the Bravo Poker app. Uh, if not, you could download it and you can see if they have a game going there. If you check out the Bravo Poker app, it'll tell you um, what games are being played in all the casinos at all times and how many are on the list. Uh, if their seats open, so uh, take a look at that, and then you'll get a good, good idea where you want to play. Yeah, because the the Flamingo Room they shut it down permanently. I don't know if you heard. Uh, I remember that, that. but I, somebody told me they had yeah. reopened it. I don't know if that's true or not, so I haven't looked. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you. Um, other than Resorts World, what what do you where do you think is a good place to play for like two five? I mean, you know, where the I mean, I don't know. Competition's you have to... not too tough. Resort World, Bellagio, Aria, Wynn. Uh, I mean, those are probably all the top ones. I mean, that's what everybody plays at. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm really not sure because I don't play that small, so I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I know that I have friends that play 2-5 and 5-10, and they play at uh, Aria, Bellagio, and uh, Wynn, and Resort World. So, uh, yeah. So those are the uh, four you'll basically be able to play in. Yeah, yeah that that sounds good, Mike. I know I, I've heard that the Aria usually has the top uh, top players there at, that go to that room. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That? But you know, most of those guys play five, ten, and ten twenty. I think. Uh, I think the two yeah, and those games are hard to make money in, right? Because those players are the ones that play every day for a living. Yeah, right? I think the two five, the one three and two fives are pretty soft anywhere you go in town you know i mean i don't know i've never played in a one three game in las vegas that's hard you know what i mean uh but i'm also i'm also a really good player so i mean of course you know uh even when i was coming up i used to always you know used to say play play in the games that you feel comfortable in play in the games where you feel like you're one of the best players and uh, if you feel uncomfortable, you're probably playing too high and should probably drop down. So, you know, I, uh, I've always said that, uh, play, play where you feel comfortable. And once you feel uncomfortable, uh, you know, then you drop down. But also, uh, I, I've always told people is try and put yourself where you're a, one of the top three players in the game at all time. Find a game where you're one of the top three players. Cause poker really isn't about who's the best player because, 
It's just not. It's about whether you're one of the top three best players in the game you play in. And uh, that's what I've done in a really good online app game I'm in is I've put myself where I'm one of the top three best players in the game, if not the best. Uh, And when you're dealing with a player pool of 16, 18, 20 players and you're the best, second best, or third best, you're just always going to win money. So, uh, you know, I always tell people that, you know, put yourself in a position where you're one of the best players in the game. And if you go and play and you feel like the game's tough, uh, go to another card room and find one that's not as tough, you know? Right, right. That makes sense, Mike. Well, yeah. that's great. I really appreciate your uh, your advice. And, uh, hey, when's your new book coming out? Do you know? Yeah. Uh, so I originally was going to have my book out the 1st of January. Uh, I got involved with <clears throat> basically uh, working, uh, sidetracked with trying to get myself uh, working in Texas. Um, and so I <clears throat> I kind of halted about 25% through and started uh, working on uh, the Texas situation. Uh, once the Texas situation fell through in Dallas, I um, started working on trying to find uh, me and my team another place in Texas. We were, we were actually on the fence of uh, opening a room. Uh, well, we weren't on the fence, but we were, we were really uh, close to opening a room in Arlington, uh, right next to the Dallas Cowboy Ranger Stadium, comp, right, right in that complex over there. And we still might. Uh, but um, uh, right, this thing came up with a friend of ours that was opening this room in Austin, guy we've known 25 years, and it kind of just fell into our lap. So uh, right now, it's kind of like where I'm going to be all in is uh, on the room in Austin, and then uh, the World Series of Poker, and I'll be working on the book uh, after the World Series of Poker. So I do have my documentary that we filmed at the World Series last year. Uh, we were hoping to have it out before the World Series. Looks like it won't be out till about a month or two after the World Series also. So, you know, these things take time, and uh, I'm trying to get a lot of things done in my life, uh, put myself in the best situation where, you know, it's not easy playing poker every day for a living in 2022. You know what I mean? So this is uh, what I I want to do. So I'm really going to be focusing on uh, 52 Social in Austin and – probably go from there so we'll see what happens well good luck uh, good luck with your new poker room mike uh, yep. and i, I will everything uh, goes well for you i'll let everybody know uh how what's going on uh uh when we're going to start running our first tournaments out there and uh there's a lot of things uh, i'll uh, keep everybody in mind and uh, up to date on the podcast and uh in my social media and stuff of what's going on so i appreciate the call and you have a great weekend and uh take care okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. All righty. Give us a call, 702-329-0480. Looking at this UNC-St. Peter's game. Uh, UNC got out to a 9-0 lead. It's now 12-7, seven minutes into the game. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. What's going on? Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, 
a question for you is uh, I just got into poker, probably been at deep about a year, um, and I perform much better in tournaments versus cash games. Okay. I was wondering if you could talk about the psychology of that and maybe why that is. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say because in tournaments you can't rebuy, and so you got to play really solid, tight, and pick your spots. In cash games, yeah, you'll probably find yourself playing a lot of a lot more suited connectors, a lot more small pairs, a lot more. You're gonna you're, you're gonna swing a lot more because you're playing more hands, um, spots where you flop top pair or top kicker, and you get moved in on, and you call in a cash game, and maybe in a tournament you. You think about stack sizes. You think about your where you're at, and sometimes you'll make a big fold. Um, yeah. It, the thing is, is um, I'm the opposite. Even though I'm a great tournament player, don't don't kid yourself. I'm a I I only play tournaments because I'm good at them. Uh, I don't play tournaments because I like them. I hate them. I fucking despise them. But I'm good at them, so I play during the World Series of Poker, and that's it. I really have no interest in that. And so, but in cash games, um, I've been playing cash. Uh, you know, people think I made all my money playing tournaments. Yeah, I've made 10 million playing po- tournament poker, but but I've, I, I've made way more money in cash. I mean, if you take away all of your buy-ins and everything, I think I figured it out. Like, I'm about only like a million winner in tournament poker, where I'm about, I don't know, 10 million winner in cash games, you know? So, uh, yeah. you know, you've just been playing for a year. I think um, tournaments are good. They're very volatile. You'll have, you know, you'll have your good runs, and then you'll find yourself buying in and not cashing like 10 in a row or whatever, and it gets kind of frustrating. So yeah. I do think that when you do sit in a cash game, I think the thing you should try your best to emulate is – kind of like in tournaments if you're an aggressive player you'll play a lot of dog shit hands trying to pick up blinds and annies and stuff and where cash games you're just not going to be doing that you're going to be playing more solid set up a tight image uh use your image to you know pick your spots to rob people you know what i mean i mean that's what i do i uh everybody will say look how tight mikey plays mike's the tightest player and then they then I rob them blind and they don't even see it coming. So, you know, I've always told people there's two ways to play poker. You could play super aggro, three bet, three bet, like all all kinds of hands and uh, try and run people over. Okay. But you're going to be, it's going to be much more volatile and it's tough to make hands. You know what I mean? So, you know, yeah. there's very, there's, there's not that many people that can play that style. Uh, we have one guy that plays that style in our home game and he crushes uh, but I, when he's nine-handed, he plays too many hands and gets crushed. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, don't play this guy four-handed. He's a fucking killer. And like last night, they didn't listen. The guy was 120,000 loser in the ring game. It got short. I told everybody to quit. This guy's good. He, and sure enough, he won all his money. He won like 160,000 straight. And uh, they all got crushed. And I, I warned him, you know. You know, people, when you play short, yeah. 
with a killer, he'll put a lot of pressure on you. But I, I like the play. That's an online game. Yeah, I mean the game usually doesn't. Uh, I don't. I usually don't play in that game when it's playing really high. Like when this guy's in it, he makes the game so much bigger. And I just don't like the yeah. volatility. And I know how tough he is when it's short. So uh, you know, I try not to play when the game swings like that. I usually play when the game's swinging yeah. about twenty thousand a night, up or down. Uh, so it's not uh, too brutal on me, you know. But yeah. uh, you know, so my thought, the way I play is I, you know, I play a, a tight image. Everybody thinks I'm real tight, and then I start three betting them with dog shit, and then I start floating them with dog shit and raising them on the turn. I mean, I just use my image to to control the action, but I set that image up for over a long period of time. So. It's. Yeah. Uh, I just feel that's the right way to play. Is, and Phil plays the same way. He plays, sets up a tight image. He talks how tight he is. He shows all these great folds. Everybody thinks he's so tight, and then he just robs them. So, uh, you know, I kind of like to do the same thing. I mean, again, the both both ways work, but uh, the playing tight and then using my image to open up a little bit seems to work better for me. And so that's how I play. Gotcha. Yeah. So, are you going to be playing any of the tournaments at the new card house? At the where? Yeah, I'll be playing in Austin. House? I'll be I'll be doing meetup games ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, and I'll be playing the tur- the grand opening tournament there on the eleventth. I think it is. No, it's a small two hundred dollar okay. buy-in tournament, uh, and then we will be um, we will be discussing. Uh, uh, where we're going forward as far as running a big million dollar buy-in tournament in the room. I'm sure we'll probably do that within three, four months uh, and then probably go from gotcha. there. So, okay. anyways. Well, I'm in uh, Houston right now, so I hope, hope to see you there. Yep, I will be there. If you are uh, if you want to drive down to Austin, uh, I'll be there uh, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Come say hi and uh, we're going to have a good time down there. So, Absolutely. Alright, my man. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Later. Yep. Yeah, the Kirk. That's pretty funny. You said that. Yeah, every commercial is for is for transgender people. This is the sick ideology that they're putting on everybody, and they want everybody to believe is normal. Uh, I'm not going to say anything else about it. You guys, it's people can do whatever they want, but the fact that they're pushing this ideology on people is pretty scary. Hey, welcome to the mouthpieces, Mike. What's up? Hey, this is Mark from uh, Henderson. I have a question. What are your thoughts on Chino Reams' recent uh, resurgence? And I was wondering if you have any like good Chino Reams stories because I know, you know, back in the day he used to do some crazy like DJ type stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Uh, me and Chino are pretty good friends. Uh, the first thing I want to say is congratulations for Chino for winning the PLO tournament. Um, he is. Uh, I'm very proud of him. Uh, Chino's a drug addict his whole life. Um, about uh, six, eight months ago, um, a, uh, a good friend of both of ours, I don't really don't want to name any names, put him in rehab, spent like 50000 for him to put him in a really high rehab center. He got cleaned, and he's doing really well. Um, he's playing pretty good poker. I didn't really like the way he played few hands at that final table but he ran really good uh and good for him you know i always pull for the people who struggle 
and uh, he struggled a lot um, with uh, with the drugs. And uh, now he's clean, doing well, and uh, and hopefully he stays clean. He told me he will uh, this time. So uh, my prayers to him, and uh, he's a good guy. Uh, and people, uh, I have a lot. Now, do, you, I, do you have any crazy stories about him? I mean, I do, but uh, most of them were drug fueled. I mean. I'll give you one story about how sick a DJ Trino was, okay? And he still owes me twenty six hundred bucks. He'll pay me one day. I don't worry about it. Uh, but in twenty fourteen, uh, we were or twenty thirteen, we were uh, uh, the end of twenty thirteen. Yeah, we were doing a, a a big tournament over at Mohegan Sun uh, for a Deep Stacks Poker Tour that I owned a big piece of before my partner, who I'm actually suing right now, uh, kind of fucked me over. And um, and uh, so uh, before that happened, so we were running a big tournament at Mohegan Sun. Chino comes down there with 30000 blows it all playing Baccarat, and oh. doesn't even have money for... Uh, yeah, this was 2014, because this is when after... Uh, right before my surgery, it was the end of 2014, and not 2013. And so uh, he wanted, he had no money to buy in our tournament, and I had no, I was really struggling. Uh, things like, you know, things had gone really bad for me, and so I didn't really have much money. Sure. So I literally put a, took $1,100 off my credit card to put him in this fucking tournament. I told my girlfriend at the time, with like seven people to go to go down there and uh, and if he gets knocked out to get the money because I know how sick he was and she goes down there and he gets knocked out right when she gets there he takes off she tries to catch up with him she can't do it he takes the money he won uh, which 2600 of them was mine and blew it all playing Baccarat and I still haven't got the I still haven't got the 2600 yet but Remember, Chino used to was doing a lot of drugs, and he was a DJ, and you know that's a that's a mild Chino Ream story. But uh, he's doing well now, and and and, and I don't, right, right, right. you know, people I don't fault pe- people that are DJs and people who have problems. I, I don't fault them. You know what I mean? You just got to hopefully make they become better people. Wow. North Carolina is crushing St. Peter's. I knew it. Did knew he? It. Uh, did Chino ever get into sports betting, or he never got into? Oh, he bet I'm everything. Actually, I'm actually a fan. I'm a fan of Chino Ring. Like I grew up. Ch- Chino bets it. You know, like, Chino bets everything. Everything. You name it, he bets yeah. it. If he, if he could bet it, he'll bet it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's you know it's good to see that he won. I think he got second, right? He got no. He won. He won a PLO tournament two days ago, three days ago. So. Three days but then the tournament before that, I think he got second. Or, or yeah, he's doing well. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah, so. yeah. I just you know I wanted to hear if you had any some, some stories, but um, yeah, you know. I mean, I don't want to. I have lots. Of, I have lots of stories, but we'll leave that one as a minor one. I don't. There's a lot that I can't really talk about, but I'm just glad he's doing well. So. All right, Mike. All right, Thanks my man. Thanks time, for man. calling. All right, later. All right, see ya. Later. So this. Everybody figured was going to happen. So North Carolina is up twenty-four to nine over North over St. Peter's. I mean, this had to be one of the best bets ever today. I mean, 
did they really think a, a tiny little school, St. Peter's, was going to beat North Carolina and make the Final Four? I mean, come on. North Carolina, the team that won the ACC, had smashed Duke in that last game. No way. 24-9, to North Carolina. Uh, it was 9 nothing. Then it was 12-7. to And now they're on a 12-2 run. They go up 24-9. to I mean, Carolina's going to win this game by 25, I think. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Hey, Mikey. How's it going? How's your, your tournament going? Are you betting or... Uh, I'm not. I haven't made one bet in the NCAA tournament. I was going to make one bet, um, and because uh, I don't bet sports anymore. But if I if I see something I like, I might bet it. Um, and I was going to make one bet, and I was going to bet five thousand on it. Uh, it was going to be. It was Memphis against Gonzaga oh. plus nine. They lost by four. I would have won it. Uh, I thought Memphis, who finished the season winning 11 of 13 with the talent they had on that team, was enormous. I thought they would keep it close. I thought Timmy would go off because they had nobody for his size inside. But I also felt that the Memphis guards could dominate, and they did. And Timmy did go off. He got 25 in the so, second so half. You've been watching the tournament. So what did you think of Chet Holgram, the guy that everybody's hyping up, the super skinny kid out of Gonzaga? I thought he couldn't shoot, and he's going to get bodied. I think in the he's NBA. fucking a twig. I, I think he's a twig. I don't I, see it. I don't see it either. But he's a freshman, isn't he? Yeah, he's, but he's coming out. He's one and done. I'm, he ain't he's one. How could he be one and done? He's who's going to draft a guy that skinny in the NBA? I mean, everybody wants to draft him. On every nerds, they go to the, they go to the the MIT conference. Mm-hmm. Every basketball nerd who's a GM wants to draft this guy. Everybody on Twitter wants him to be the number one pick. Okay, so it's gonna happen. I don't see it. it. it it's kind of weird. Well, it's gonna happen. He's coming out. He's one and done. I want to talk about another one and done guy. Uh, Doug, he's one and done. He he Who? says he hates poker. Doug Polk. Oh, as far as I'm concerned, he's one and done. He had his career. He won. He's done. Mm-hmm. So he says he hates poker, right? Am I wrong? He said, I don't like poker. Yeah. He said this, right? Yeah. He commentates on poker. So where does he get off? Dragging Phil Helmuth, who only is playing the, the, the poker go high rollers because another big mouth who's not a one and done guy. Doug, uh, Daniel, even though he's on his GTO weirdness. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a great poker player. Yeah. Called him out to do it, and now he's showing up. As far as I know, uh, maybe Phil Helmuth thought the four was an ace, right? He's mm-hmm. an older guy. We'd always look at cards. We don't know. It's real simple to think a queen four could be a queen, an ace queen, and maybe he thought that. He's not going to say he is, or maybe it was a dopey play, but it's one play. And all yeah. these GTO nerds. I know. It's funny. I mean. They, they don't realize he's trying to sell his little super system, his super secret system to these nerds. He, you you want to tell, you want to learn how to play poker from a guy who says he hates it, right? Yeah. Go right ahead, but you know you can go on an app for a fraction of the cost. You go on the, the Apple Play Store, you go on the, the you know, mm-hmm. you go on the Android Play Store. You can get all that GTL stuff for like a fraction of what 
Dougie yeah. Polk is going to charge you guys. No. All right? Yeah. And you can get all that information all you want. But at the end of the day, it's two computers. and They play each other where they win and lose no money. Okay? Yeah. But I thought that poker was to win money. Gambling is to win money. Yeah. You're to exploit it. So play Raz, right? One of the biggest legendary poker showdowns was a guy playing Raz, right? Mm-hmm. He played Raz. And he was taking on all challenges because he had an edge. Even mm-hmm. that guy lost on his mind, much like uh, Chino Chino there. But yeah. uh, that's the joy of gambling. Dougie, you're not a gambler. You're a nerd. Yeah. You're a freaking nerd. And all you nerds are trying to spend hundreds of dollars to be a nerd like Dougie Pokey. <laughs> Dougie Pokey, who, who, who made his money because he had the edge. When it was online poker and there was no GTO, and yeah. now he's going to tell you how to play GTO because he can go to a computer and, and say well, this I mean, is that where you can get the same information. I mean, Doug Doug is a, a, a math guy. I mean, every, everything he does, he goes in the lab. He goes in the lab. He studies. He studies all the math and all the plus EV and all that shit. And, and I don't give a yeah, fuck about EV. and and, and I just don't care about it. I care about... You know what? What you know? Reading people yeah. for a living and and listen. He's a math guy, but he's look, not. He's not. He's not Jesus Ferguson. Jesus Ferguson has a degree in math. I'm, okay? I mean, D- D- degrees in math. Doug want, used Doug. Daniel's name to block to smash Daniel through the mud for a year and a half, and then Daniel rewards him by handing him one point two million, and now he wants to money. use Phil Hummus' name to drag him through the mud to prop up. You know his social media, and to prop up his, his super secret system of poker. You know, and to prop up his club. Uh, you know, you got to remember he's running. Uh, he's running the lodge in Austin, uh, who will be one of our main Who's competitors. What's that? <laughs> and uh, and so when he's on social media bashing Phil and getting clicks, more people tune in. The more people tune in, the more people. Uh, you know, will come down to the club in Austin. And, uh, you know, uh, I like Doug. You know what I mean? I, I We get along good. I, I don't have nothing bad to say never about met Doug. Him. You know, I but... Know I have a lot bad. I've never met him. He seems like a douche. Yeah, you know... He's got, he's got the faux hawk. He's got the, 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 the attitude that you I know, just don't like. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. And a lot of people don't like him. Uh, there's a lot of things Doug does that I don't like. Uh, but Doug's very nice to me, and um, you know I'm looking forward to uh, to you know working in the room in Austin, two and a half miles away from their room, and and I'm working hopefully well, both both rooms will. It's a personality contest between you and Dougie Doug. Yeah, I think you win by landslide. All right. Well, I, listen, people, the the young kids know who Doug is. Uh, the middle age to older people know who I am. And, you know, me working at uh, 52 Social down in Austin uh, will bring a lot of players there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And uh, like I said, I'm, I not, go, I'm not I going to go on a cruise and I yeah. can show people your photograph and Doug's photograph. Who do you think they know? Yeah, they don't know who Doug is. Nobody does. Yeah, I agree. Yes, exactly. I mean, when I was at the lodge, online poker, do not go to poker social clubs to hang out with a nerd yeah. who calls himself Doug B. Polk. Yeah, they want to hang out with a cool dude who got stories like you have about how you fucking check raise the devil for your whole yeah. life. 
They want to hear that stuff. They don't want to hear about, you know what? Uh, I dropped out of college, and I think that the GTO position is, uh, you know, <laughs> for the big blind, you 1.2 big blinds. No, they don't want to hear that. Yeah, I agree. You know, and so, um, you know, I, I, I listen, I don't want to knock Doug because me and him are friends. But, you know, I, I I'm looking for, you could do it. And uh, I'm looking forward to moving to Austin. And competing with Doug in the poker room down the street. And hopefully um, their room succeeds and ours does also. So, okay, uh, you know. Promise me this. Promise me this. The first time you bust a guy in a big tournament that you're playing in, in your poker club, I want you to say, go play the kitty game down the street with Doug. Can yeah. you do that for me, please? I picked the guy off yesterday of uh, $10,000. <laughs> two days ago, $10,000 bluff. I thought he was weak on an ace-ace-10 board. So I check-raised him with jack-10, and then he moved in for like 9,000 more. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And I used like three time banks. I go, I know I'm right here, right? I just know it. And I just, now I called, and he had nine four of diamonds. I said, I knew it. I knew it. You know what I'm saying? So, and then I texted into him. I go, dude, do you really think you're playing with fucking kids here? I go, I go, you better fucking stop it or I'm going to bust you. Kitty game down this Yeah, so I told him that. I hadn't said that in a while, you know. So I told him the kitty game was down the street and he ain't playing with kids. So, uh, you know, I'm playing at a real high level. I'm playing at a high level right now. and um, I'm I'm super jealous of Doug Polk. I think that he looks fabulous in tank tops. I don't know what kind of deodorant he's using, but this is Texas, and there's no deodorant to fight the humidity in Texas. So That's I don't so know. I'm saying he stinks, but he might. Okay, I'm well, super. You live in where are you live in where are you live in? Do you go to tech? Do you live in Texas? I live in the woodlands, Houston. So okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be. Are you going to come down from? Uh, come on down for my uh, for our grand opening in Austin. Uh, I'll be doing meetup games the 9th, 10th, 11th, and twelfth. If, if my schedule doesn't work for the grand opening, you're going to be in Austin, Texas for a long time. This yeah. is my state. I will be seeing you. It will be me, two guys with awesome beards. Yeah. Talking shit. Okay. All right. Sounds anyway, good, man. Anyway, everybody, everybody have a good evening. I love you. I love everything about you. Uh, you I love you too, man. Thanks. I appreciate you calling. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. So, thank you. All right. That guy was sound like a somebody who had a lot of... Um, energy uh you know i uh i like doug you know doug doug does a lot of things i don't like i don't like how he mashes on phil to get clicks how he mashed on daniel to get clicks you know but you have to also look there's two ways to look at it you could say listen doug's a young guy he's i think he's like uh 35 uh he's a young guy who is uh trying to do what he can to promote himself so you know people go about different ways Hey, welcome to Mouthpieces, Mike. What's up? Hey, Mike, this is Ricky. Hey, I'm curious. Um, I don't know if I asked you this in the past. I don't know if anybody else has asked you in the past. Um, what is your current relationship with Sean Chicago? Are you guys um, cool oh, we're, right we're, now? Oh, yeah, we talk. Uh, he's real busy. He's running uh, uh, cannabis uh, stores in California. Uh, he's doing really well. Oh, yeah, because well. there's no real news on him, so I didn't yeah, know Yeah, I mean, he, he's not really in the poker world. He he comes and plays the No Limit Deuce 10K every year at the World Series. And other than that, uh, he plays very little poker. So 
He's running cannabis was rooms. Was that incident? Was that incident um, at the World Series? Was that a work um, for the crowd, or was that? Uh, Me and him are good friends. He took it to a, he you know he took it to a level he shouldn't have. Uh, I got pissed. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then after, looked like a work. No, afterwards we had a long. We we talked about. We were fine. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. You know, even when he broke my glasses on high stakes poker, oh, that was for TV. I remember you know? that he broke it. That was for TVs. And I'm like, and I got all mad, and and then they, you know, the cameras uh, kind of pointed away, and then he he threw me 300 bucks across the table. So, you know, it was no big. It was it's good TV. You know, that didn't bother me. You know, when he when he ran cool. his mouth about the Ace Nine, that bothered me because I'm playing for the title and shit. So, uh, but um, yeah, you know, me and Sean are good, man. Can't complain. Oh, that's cool. Um, is there any way that we can get you to come play here in Jacksonville at the Best Bet Poker Room, either in Jacksonville or in Orange Park? Uh, do you want me to play, or do you want me to be on a stream? What do you What are you looking for? I we would love to see you um, play, either play or be on stream. I know the Jacksonville location does yeah. a live stream on their YouTube channel. Um, I don't okay. think the Orange Park location. I mean, um, if you can have uh, does that. If you could have somebody email the uh, mouthpiece, uh, what's our email on the mouthpiece podcast? Uh, mouthpiece podcast. At G- okay, yeah. If you could have, you if, you, if you could have somebody send me an email at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail dot com, uh, I will uh, 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 tell them what I charge for and for for how many days they want me to be there, what they want me to do, and uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do for them. And one more thing, I um, I don't know if I can kind of instigate this, but I'm wondering who can throw the most f bombs on Twitter, either yourself, Bill Helmuth, or Jim Cornette. I don't know, man. I throw a lot of f bombs, but I don't really throw them on Twitter. I throw them everywhere else. Uh, probably Jim Cornette. You've obviously never seen. You've obviously never seen Jim Cornette. I said probably Jim Cornette. You heard what I said. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, but I throw a lot of f bombs, and I don't, I don't, I don't apologize for them because I don't live in this pussy world of word. I don't live in this pussy world of safe spaces and fucking watch what you say in twenty twenty two or you'll be canceled. You know, that's why I don't have oh, to worry yeah, about agree. being canceled. I that's why I play poker and do what I do. You know, but yeah, I mean I, these I people. A long time ago I mean, the fact that they are suppressing free speech in this country is so frightening that I don't even know what else to say. You know. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, it was good talking to you. Um, hey, thanks for calling. Um, thank you. You have a good. You got. It. Hey, Later. thank you. You're welcome. All right. Bye. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kirk, I'm a. I'm a little bit with you on this. There's racism that exists, but it's very small amount in this country. Maybe it could be two percent. That's worth. That's high. Two percent would be uh, seven point two million racists in this country. I, I don't believe there's that many. That's a lot. You know, maybe. I mean, one percent would be three point six million. Eh, that's more like one percent. You know, all the racism shit is all politically driven. Uh, to form a narrative to get black people out to vote and to demonize whatever it is what it is welcome to the mouthpiece this is mikey hi mike what's up my man 
Um, hey, this is uh, Matt from St. Louis. I called you, I think, two episodes ago. Okay. Thanks, man. What's been going on? Um, uh, yeah, we got real political last time. I'm going to ease off of that a bit. I know you That's all good. Yeah, I haven't talked any politics today. I mean, there's a lot of politics we could talk about. Uh, oh, I've, I've been listening. You got your fair share and for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, what's going on in the world right now is pretty fucked up. Um, you want my opinion on it? Uh, you mean I, with the Russia Ukraine stuff? Yeah, I believe that that this was done on purpose. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, there's no belief in it. All you have to do is do your homework. Okay. Biden watched Putin from April of 2021 until this invasion, start putting troops around the border. It was pretty obvious they was looking to in, for an invasion. But what people don't know and what the mainstream media narrative, they are pushing. And again, I am not a Putin apologist. I, not, I think what Putin has done is horrific, okay? But they've been warned for uh, 10 months. They said there will never be a nuclear-armed Ukraine. There will never be a, a, a Ukraine as part of NATO on the fucking southern border of Russia. Um, and the West, as in the United States, kept pushing for Ukraine to be part of NATO. Um, and since 2014, um, Putin was telling them that he will invade if you try keep pushing the NATO on Ukraine. They all knew this. You could go, people should all go watch, the, and of course, the communists that run this country, they took down the Oliver Stone film, but you could still see it. You could still get it. I think I, they took it down off YouTube, but it's called Ukraine on Fire. Uh, see yeah, if anybody. So I brought up uh, Alex Jones last time, and he put it up on his site. For free yes. As well. So for people listening that want to watch what's actually going on in Ukraine, go watch the movie Ukraine on Fire. Okay. Uh, put that with how they impeached Trump over a phone call in Ukraine. Okay. Listen. Trump was trying to expose the corruption in Ukraine. He was trying to expose Joe Biden and his son, who are corrupt as can be in Ukraine. Everything that Trump tried to expose was proven that on the Hunter Biden laptop. Okay, but everybody's crickets over it because the guy is corrupt. You put a 47 year swamp creature back in office what do you think was going to happen? You know, there's a lot of jokes going around that, oh, and this is a joke. This ain't this is a conspiracy joke, but it's kind of funny. But they say, they say, oh, uh, Biden let Putin invade Ukraine, so so he'll take out all the proof of how corrupt they are in the in the gas company and all this shit. And it's kind of funny, but I mean, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, he's a so he's so corrupt. This guy, it's unreal, and. He told everyone, listen, they don't say things by accident. When Biden slipped at that press conference two months ago and he said, he said, it depends how far, how big of an invasion that Putin makes. So basically, Putin had already told Biden 
what he was going to do, how far he was going to invade, how he was just going to take the the Donbass region uh, that he felt as part of Russia. And the war is winding down now. So he knew exactly. So let me ask you this. Why did the mainstream media show all the horrible things that are going on in Ukraine, okay, but they don't show nothing that's going on in Yemen, okay? They, our allies and U.S. troops have killed 367,000 people in, in Yemen, including 50,000 50, kids. You don't see nothing. Crickets, okay? They're pushing the Ukraine thing because it all ties together. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And this way, <clears throat> this, I, I mean, like, like I said, they don't slip up on purpose. Yet two days ago, Biden is talking to our troops about when they're going to be in Ukraine. I mean, I hope I'm wrong here, but I was trying to figure out for the last month, why are they pushing? You got to remember the fake news and the media and the fucking lapdogs and the fucking Dems, they push a fucking narrative and they're doing it for a reason. So you have to ask yourself, well, what, what is the reason they're doing it? And the thought process I have that I've come up with now, I don't have to be right is after watching him talk about, uh, and, and of course the White House walked it back, that, oh, we don't, you know, he, then at the end of his speech yesterday, he talked about, we got to take Putin out of power, and then they're like, oh, he didn't mean it, okay? They see him on the hot mic talking about troops going into fucking Ukraine. Then they talk about taking him out of power, okay? If they start a war with Russia, because I, I, I I've been trying to figure out why are they doing this? Right now, I could be wrong here, and I pray to God I'm wrong. If they, if the U.S. gets involved, right, and they start a war with Russia, what happens? Okay, the country unites, correct? What happens when the country unites? Right now, this fucking losing piece of shit, fucking dirt ball, fucking corrupt piece of shit's polling at thirty three percent. He's hated by everybody. Look at they had to deflect from the gas prices and the inflation. And then they push this narrative of, oh, inflation is so high and gas prices are so high because Putin invaded Ukraine. First of all, as Putin wrote in his speech, we only give 3% of our gas to the United States, 3%. The fucking gas prices were through the roof. Inflation was through the roof way, way, way before. But... When you, when you push a lie long enough to the American people on all the media networks, our corrupt media, then they're going to believe is that's truth. But anybody with a brain knows that you inflation and the gas prices have been through a roof way before this fucking they, – they invaded. So I think he invaded it. They, he, they let them invade it uh, because, to, to take the pressure off of uh, how horrible Joe Biden has been and the, probably 100 to 1 the worst president of all all time. Now, what is nobody's talking about the horrible foreign policy decisions. No one's talking about Afghanistan. No one's talking about inflation. No one's talking about gas prices. They're all talking about Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. See what I'm saying? So now what happens if we get involved in the war in Ukraine? Now everybody's not going to forget about those. Then they're going to unite behind the country. His poll numbers are going to move up 10 points, maybe higher. And then maybe they don't lose 100 seats in November and 10 Senate seats in November. I don't think I think they're going to get destroyed anyways because people aren't this stupid. I mean, they are stupid, but they're not this stupid. I don't think, and uh, and that's what's going on. I that's why well, that's our involvement. 
I hope that we're not going to get involved to where, uh, you know, we're at war with Russia to unite the country because these people are evil. They will do anything for power and they were going to get all fucking mashed in November. And uh, so uh, that could be the reason why the whole Ukraine thing's going on. But it's all going on for a reason. This is not the, when the media says an unprovoked attack on Ukraine. Okay. Putin has been warning people go look at Ukraine on fire. Go look at all the documentaries of Ukraine, how corrupt they are. Go look at all the things Putin's been saying since 2014. And then you tell me, was it a provoked attack? Okay. What he's doing, the people who have died is horrible. Okay. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, maybe a thousand civilians have died out of all the bombing, which is one too many. Uh, but our, our government don't give a fuck about a thousand or two thousand people who die in Ukraine. If they could, you know, just like they don't care who died of COVID, you know, they were pushing all we care. We're trying to save lives. They don't give a fuck about saving lives. It's all about power. The power grab they did in COVID, you know, how they, they controlled everyone's life, vaccine passports, vaccine mandates. You, know, you call, you're not an essential fucking business. You're closed. Wal, Walmart and Walgreens and you guys are an essential business. You guys are open. Fucking, and they put all the 150,000 mom and pop stores out of business during COVID. It's all for power, you know, and that's probably what the Ukraine thing's all about. It's for power. You think they care about the couple thousand civilians that were killed in Ukraine? Fuck. If they could fucking have it on the news every day and they could, and Biden's poll numbers could shoot up and they could uh, consolidate power, they will. And that's my opinion of Ukraine. And I don't know if you agree or not, but uh, that's it. No, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I'm totally right on, like when normally when I talk politics, I'm dead on, okay? I'm not positive what I just said is dead on, but I'm in the right area. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I try and avoid it. You know, I, I'm i trying my, my, my best to... Uh, Jennifer, you asked if I talk poker anymore. I've been talking poker for an hour and a half. This gentleman just called. He asked me about politics, so I brought it up. So, um, anyways, uh, somebody in my chat said, why do I, do I ever talk poker anymore? I said, I've been talking poker for an hour and a half. But that's my opinion on the Ukraine situation. Uh, gas prices, seven bucks a gallon. I wonder how many millions of gas people are putting in the corrupt Biden crime family's fucking pocket. It's funny as. Yeah, it, you know, I, I did want to talk poker, but while we're on the subject, like yeah. gas, you know, gas spiked up back when Biden became president because the first thing he did the first day he was in office was kill that pipeline going from Canada to the upper Midwest. Yeah, but again, you know, I, I'm talking about the pipeline, right? That now, now, see, I'm a fair person. When the Fox News and the right talk about the Keystone Pipeline, oh, he shut down the Keystone Pipeline. First of all, the Keystone Pipeline wasn't going to be open for two years. That is a that is basically the same. That's that's right wing propaganda. Okay, so if, even if they didn't shut down the pipeline, it still wouldn't be open for another year. So that's propaganda. Okay, but. What he did do, which isn't propaganda, is he shut down fracking on federal land, okay? Uh, he, he, he put in all these regulations to cut down on the fracking, uh, which made us, instead of being energy independent, it made us, once again, um, where we're getting uh, oil from Saudi Arabia and all these other places 
um, for uh, energy because they're corrupt and all these corrupt fucking politicians, they put money, they just care about money in their pocket. You know, say what you want about Trump. And I saw a guy who hates Trump, right? He did an interview yesterday. God, I wish I knew his name. I would, I would, I would tell everybody to watch it. But he says, if Trump was in office today, there's zero chance Putin would have invaded Ukraine. And they said, and he says that I'm not a Trump supporter. He goes, I couldn't stand the things he said or did. And the people in the West hated him. He said, but everybody not in the West, Europe, overseas, they were afraid of him. And, and they were because he was unpredictable and he would, he, he would say things and they, anybody who knows he would get upset. And when you get somebody like that, that gets upset if you saw that uh, interview on the one sports show, I forgot who it was with, but he talks about how, uh, you know, he told Putin that if he invaded Ukraine, he'd drop a bomb on Moscow, right? And and he says, well, I don't know if he believed it or not, but even if he believed it 5% or 10%, that was enough to sway him from ever, you know, invading Ukraine. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to that. You know, he was when you're unpredictable and you're a strong leader, even if you're a complete idiot, which he was, that's going to be way more scary than a guy who literally left Afghanistan fall in three days. And uh, they saw that pull out. They, they saw that Biden did nothing. I mean, the Democrats are weak pussies, man. All they care about is fucking transgenders and fucking LGBTQs. And they don't care about people's real lives. They don't care about inflation they don't care about gas prices they don't care who starves the more people who starve the more people who then go on government funded programs to survive and what do you do who do you vote for to be on government funded programs to get more money you vote democrat there you go you know what i'm saying there i mean people are sheep you know the thing is everything i was pushing on here uh, even on my podcast for a year and a half the people like alex fox and me christy bicknell uh jeff madsen about the the COVID thing when they all disagreed or all true, all came to be true. I told everyone for a year and a half, these fucking paper masks are worthless. Okay. What they're doing to our kids was fucking child abuse. Right. And they're like, Oh no, Mark, you don't care about other people. Masks work. Okay. Well go look at the scientific studies. It shows that masks are 0.001% something like that helped. But what did they do? They took power. They put masks on all our airplanes. They kicked two-year-olds off fucking flights for not having masks on. They traumatized all the youth of America for two years in which they'll never get back. They might be traumatized for life. Just remember in 2030, 2032, if you think the crime rate's high now, it's going to be 10x what it is now because these kids are so psychologically damaged for what these policies did to them. And then people will be like, oh, look, COVID's over. Well, COVID would have been over a year and a half ago. When Trump said in June, we've got to open everything up or this country will be destroyed. Once again, Trump was right. Okay. But they kept the the governors and all these people in power kept all this, the mass mandates and you can't, the 15 days to slow the spread till the fucking hospitals overran didn't fucking end until February 1st. Okay, or February 3rd when they were dying politically and everybody. So how did they end COVID? They removed all the vaccine mandates, all the vaccine restrictions, all the masks. Oh, and they stopped talking about it on their fucking corrupt media. And well, look, 
Oh, and then the war started. That got the, that that again. That got the the news cycle talking about different things, getting the mind off of the COVID bullshit, the inflation bullshit, and the gas bullshit. And now they're like, oh, but seventeen hundred people have died yesterday from COVID. That's just as many that have died every day for a year and a half. Oh, but COVID's now over because it's killing them politically. I want all my friends who are in this chat right now, okay, that are on the left and they know who they are, right? What's changed? The mask mandates are removed. All the restrictions have been lifted. What's changed? The same people are dying every day. Think about that, you guys. Think for yourself. What has changed? And the answer is they were polling at 33% and they were dying politically. This guy went up on stage, this fucking lying, corrupt motherfucker, and he said, we're not here to defund the police. We're here to fund the police. That's just a talking point that they were getting destroyed because the crime rate's out of control in the country, right? Then he says, we're going to secure our southern border. Oh, because 2 million people came in last year and 200,000 illegals are going to cross this. They're not doing anything about the southern border. They need to bring those illegals in, bring them around the country so they'll vote Democrat because they know they only got 40 million votes, not 80 million votes. And they got to get 2 million people a year in. That's 8 million votes. Then they have to give amnesty to 30 million illegals. That's 38 million votes. And they're still going to come up a little bit short. They know the truth. I'm not going to talk about it. It's just the facts. It's just facts. You know, like I said, where's my fucking friends on the left? Like, oh, that are going to say, oh, Biden got us out of COVID. Oh, what did he do? They had the media stop talking about it. The same amount of people are dying every day. Nothing has changed. It's just as fucking contagious. And it's over. There you go. You don't need to know anymore, man. This is a one plus one is two. If you guys can't fucking add one plus one and two, you're a bunch of fucking sheep. That's it. It's nothing else to talk about. This is not fucking one plus one is three. This is anyone with half a fucking brain could see what they did to these kids, what they did to the public, how they controlled people's lives, how they shut down 150,000 businesses was all about power. And then once they were getting killed politically and they were going to lose 100 seats in the House and 10 in the Senate, they had they had to flip the narrative. So they ended COVID and then they then came the war in Ukraine, which he let happen. He knew what was going to happen. He even talked about it at his press conference. Go look at the press conference two months ago where he slips up and says, it depends how far Putin invades. And then they try to do damage control after. You, these people don't slip up, you guys. Go look for yourselves. There you go. I'm done talking politics. Well, yeah, it's obvious that they, you know, cut out COVID because midterms are coming up and they want to look good. They want to look like, you know, they. I mean, this is this this isn't me and my opinion. These are facts. Go look for yourself. Don't be a sheep. You know, don't be a fucking sheep. Tell yourself, oh, Mike's been saying that masks are bad. These mandates are are they take away your freedoms. And then they'll say, like, who cares about your freedoms? We're saving lives. Oh, well, what changed? 1,700 people are still dying yesterday from COVID. Oh, nothing changed. What changed is they were fucking going to get crushed politically. They don't care who dies. There's 200,000 people die from opioid and fentanyl overdoses in this country. Another 100,000 homeless people. They don't give a fuck. That's why they had to fucking end COVID like they did to change the narrative. Come on, man. My friends on the left that are here, this ain't conspiracy. Look the shit up yourself. Okay, 
Why why are people that are that are my friends in my chat here? Why aren't they saying you're right, Mike? Nothing has changed about COVID. You were right all along about the mandates and the fucking masks. They are completely worthless. I mean, just say that to me and just say you're right. They got rid of COVID because they were dying politically. Because no nothing has changed. The cases and deaths are not down. Cases are down, but deaths aren't. Cases aren't down that much either. There's still 100,000 cases in the country every day. It's a fucking joke. Come on, man. That's all. So. All right, so no more politics. No more politics. You got my politics rant out, you know. All right, that was was a hell of a rant, Mike. It was. You know, listen, I get pretty passionate about it because I know I am right. And so. And I know I'm right what's going on in Ukraine. I just, I'm, and, and, and I'm not going to say I'm, where all the other things where you know, when I talk politics, I know I'm 100% right on. You know, I'm going to say I'm, ah, I'm about 70, 65, 70% right on the Ukraine situation. And I'm not, I know I'm right in the ballpark. You know what I'm saying? I don't know the whole truth, but I'm right in the ballpark. And, uh, and everybody that's listening to the show, that'll, they're going to say, oh, Mike, you're right again. Mike, you're right again. Yep. Yeah. Kirk, you're right. That's the Democrats' new narrative. Let's all get poor for Putin. You know? Everybody get poor. Inflation. You can't feed your kids. You can't put gas in your pump. But but we got to defend democracy against Putin in a foreign country because it's his fault. Because he has 3% yeah, of the gas. We're going to do that so long. Come yeah, on, people man. can only do that so people, long. People they, really, you know, I, you know, I just you know, can't believe people are this stupid. I really, this is the truth, my friend. I used to truly think I was the dumbest person beside playing poker. I'm great at poker. I'm great at everything poker related. I'll fucking put myself up against anybody in poker. You know, Doug Polk put 100 people in the top 100 players of all time. If he wants to bet a million dollars, I'll fucking call out 50 of those people, if not 75. Okay, and we could play twelve games of fucking mixed game poker, and uh, I could play twenty thousand hands with all of them. I don't give a fuck. We can play for a million bucks. I guarantee you, I'll win all the money. Yeah, they put poker players. Oh, well, he's a great no limit player, so he's one of the best poker players of all time. No, he's one of the best no limit poker players of all time. Okay, I still think I'm one of the top twenty overall best players in the world. If you take if you take tournaments, mixed games, cash games. No limit, PLO. How, how many people in the world you think could play all the games at the high at the level I play at? <laughs> I don't think there's more than twenty. Maybe there's thirty now in the in the world. Okay, Merry Christmas. Anybody wants to fucking you could take. Uh, let's take. Uh, I'll take seventy people on the list of the top hundred players of all time. Seventy. Okay, you could. Pick, I'll, I'll tell you which seventy to pick too, and we could play twelve games. And. For a million bucks, and we'll see who wins. That's all. Now, poker, I'm good at. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I used to think I was the stupidest person in the world, but after what I watched with COVID and what I watched, how they flipped the narrative and how I watched the sheep that don't even see how nothing has changed with COVID, but all the restrictions have been taken off, and they just think, oh, it's time to take the restrictions off. Well, Where's the, like I said, where are the people that cared about lives three months ago? See what I'm saying? So anyway, 
So we can talk some more poker, and I, uh, I've been on this for like an hour and a half. Oh, fuck, almost two hours. So uh, we're going to wind down a little bit here. Uh, any other questions you got for me, Matt? Yeah, poker-related. I wanted to ask you, you know, um, everything, not even just poker-related, but everything's going more virtual, you know, these days. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you if you think live poker is kind of on its way out, if you think this next generation... Nah, live poker good. will be there. No, live poker's worth. still worth it. think it'll be around forever? Do you think yeah. it'll ever... You know, I, I've been in a couple of casinos now where I see, like, you know, you, you play craps, but, like, the craps table is all, like, uh, computerized. And, you know, every blackjack table has, like, two side bets and stuff. Do you ever think they're going to, like, throw that on a poker table in a couple of casinos, try like, make it all computerized, try to throw a bunch of side bets and shit? And I don't think like so. That? They tried to to, 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 uh, to do virtual. They tried to have, uh, back in 2008-9, they had a nine-handed, what looked like a poker table, and everybody played against each other on virtual, like on a computer screen. Um, and okay, that did not that, that did not work. Uh, it, it was just a different uh, feel of looking at. Pe- it just didn't work. And I thought it was a good idea when it first came out because no dealers and um, you get like probably five x as many hands out. But it just didn't. It just didn't work. People just didn't like it. I, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, it ended up. It, it, I thought it was going to be. The, I wanted to invest in it. I thought it was the next big thing. But it just didn't work out. So, I, well, what I'm thinking is like you know, obviously the older generation ain't gonna like it. You know, they've been playing poker forever the same way, and you know they're used to what they're used to. But if you train like I'm 26, if you train my generation to like that and get used to that, then that's what it's gonna look like in five, ten years. You know? Yeah. No, I mean internet poker is was good, but. You know, it really there was uh, there was a lot of money to be made during COVID because everybody was playing virtual. But I mean, everybody's flocked back to the casinos. Even my private online game has been struggling uh, because uh, two or three of our mainstays, uh, uh, just uh, one of my friends who works at home, uh, he has uh, kind of quit playing. Another friend in Australia, they opened up all the poker rooms, so he's playing and. And he was locked up for like 18 months in Australia. So he played every day. But, I mean, they tried to go for no COVID, zero COVID for a year and a half. They locked people up in Australia and New Zealand. Oh, Australia was the worst. The wor- It was Communist 101. They were putting people in jail for walking their dogs, dude. Yeah, exactly. It they was they were allowed out of their house for like an hour a day. An hour a day for 18 weeks they were allowed out of their house. It was pure insanity. And I called it out. I called it out for months and people were like, "Well, Mike, you don't they're trying to save lives." Oh, wait a minute. Nothing has changed. They got 150,000, 100,000 cases, new cases a day or in Australia or maybe it's more than less than that. Maybe it's like 30,000 a day, 40,000 Oh, nothing. Now they got, they went from zero a day. Remember when they shut down the Australia Open last year because there were six new cases in in Melbourne? Six. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now they got 30, 40, 50,000 cases a day. And it's crickets because it was always about control and power and putting the middle class and the poor people into the poorhouse. So they'll vote for the Democrats 
in, on, in the United States, a Democrat, whatever the left is around the world that gives out all the free money and all the free welfare. And uh, the more people you put in the poorhouse, people got to live, man. So you got to do whatever you can to make them live. But what, how could people not see what they were doing to people was, was insanity. I mean, nothing has changed. We're talking about six weeks later since they, well, not, they didn't remove all the mandates till like three days ago, like in New York. I mean, the, think about that policy. If you're from out of state and you play, you're allowed to play in, in Brooklyn, but Kyrie can't play as a home person. Think about that. Everybody's allowed to play. No mask for anybody in their arenas. No, no, no vaccine mandates anywhere in the arena. Oh, but Kyrie can't play. And now they realize how insane that was. And and then now everything's been lifted and he gets to play today. It's the first day he could play, right? But, but, but nothing's changed. The same amount of people are dying a day in the United States. I mean, everything I was saying is true. It was always political. It was all about power. I mean, it just it so upsets me about because of kids, the kids in the world. You know, the young kids are what, how they're going to be just destroy because like I, I even this girl I'm dating her, her daughter wears a mat they wear a mat, they're scared to die because can you imagine being 10 11 12 13 and worry about dying I didn't even know what I remember my grand my grandfather died at 10 years old I didn't even know what death was you know I'm like what do you mean he died and then they're like he went to heaven and and he you won't see him anymore and I, then I cried or whatever but I mean, can you imagine these young kids? Like, they have the whole world scared to die. They had everybody in fear. That was all media driven and all politically driven, and it's very sad. I don't even know how to explain it. Well, the whole point from the beginning was to get you to turn on your fellow man and to be scared of you know your friends and, and neighbors and just. They were separating yeah. people by vaccinated and unvaccinated, where the vaccine oh, did sure. nothing to stop you from getting COVID. I mean, finally, the people realized the fucking shit the media was selling was a bunch of crock of shit. That's why the fucking the, they politically fucking took the nosedive. Then they had to get rid of it. They had the midterms coming up. They had to change the fucking narrative. And that's why Ukraine happened. And that's it. It's all political. Yeah, exactly. Everything's political. All right, my man. I'm going to jump on off. Uh, I appreciate the call. And uh, give me a call. Uh, I'll be doing a podcast every week, especially from uh, from Austin, Texas. Uh, once I get in there, uh, I'll be doing uh, at least two podcasts, April uh, probably eighth and ninth from uh, from uh, Austin. So, all right, my man, take care. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mike. You're welcome. So, um, yeah, so uh, you know, uh, that's just uh, uh, that's just a fact, man. What do uh, my boy Brandon and my boy John have to say about how nothing has changed? The same amount of people are dying every day. Oh, we're not killing anybody anymore. No, no ma- mandates. No masks. What, what, what changed today? The same amount of people are dying. Uh, what? what where, where, where's the vaccinated people are getting killed by the unvaxxed? All the bullshit they were selling. I mean, you guys think for yourself for a minute. Think of everything I've been saying. Everything I always said, everything Jeff Madsen said, everything Alex Foxen said, everything Kristen McNell said, it all came to be true. I mean, do you guys really think I'm that stupid? Okay. I do my homework and I wish everybody on here would do their own homework and understand what's going on in the world and understand that our media is beyond corrupt. 
So do your own research. Look at left-wing media. Look at right-wing media. But, 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 but don't... It's so easy if you're on the right. That's why I called out the propaganda on the left with the Keystone Pipeline, right? I'm going to call it out, you know? I know... You know, or even the other propaganda that, oh, uh, you know, now we're all sufficient on gas for Russia. Well, first of all, we get 3%. That's a lie. It's a right-wing propaganda. Okay? I'm not stupid. I know what propaganda is. So go look for yourself. Study for yourself. Go out of your own. It's so easy for confirmation bias. I could just fucking watch Fox News all day or fucking Owen all day, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to confirm everything that my beliefs are. Or... I could watch Fox News, turn on CNN, turn on MSNBC, go to left-wing media outlets online, see what they're saying, go to right-wing media, see what they're saying, and find the truth, okay? That's why I always tell everybody, think for yourself. The media is corrupt. Think for yourself. If you think for yourself, you will find the truth. That's all I can tell you. Think for yourself, you will find the truth. And... uh that's it, man. All right. Well, we're going to be back next week, uh, Saturday or Sunday. I'm going to talk about my week in poker. I'm probably going to have a guest next week, a special guest, a uh, uh, good friend of mine, uh, Josh Aria. I told him I'll have him on next week. He won the best all around at the World Series of Poker uh, last year. Won a really good guy. Uh, we're going to talk about him, his company that he just opened, Pocket Fives, a staking company. And uh, so I'll have him on next week. We're out of here. Nice two-hour show. We've got a lot to do. I'll be in Austin, Texas, April 9th through 12th for Meetup Games. And I'll be, we'll be running a tournament for our grand opening at 52 Social. I'll see you guys there. And um, that's about it. If you want to play my home game, 250 for 200, mouthpoker at yahoo.com. I'm there an hour a day. We'll see you. We'll see you there. We'll see you in Austin. I'll see you next week on the mouthpiece. The mouthpiece.